Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everybody, welcome to the Buckle Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Hello. And Rachel Shackleton. Good day. Now, we all adore Nintendo. I thought we'd gather, we'd gather us together today to basically just have a big old love-in on the state <laughs> of Nintendo for where they are right now. Um, I've written down some different things that we can break down. I have an overall framework. Um, but yeah, I kind of for me, I'm going to open this up by saying that I think Nintendo are in the best position they've been in since the SNES. Oh, certainly. So would you guys both agree with that? Yeah, yeah I broadly agree with that. I actually think it's worth noting that they did lose a lot of their market share with the SNES because Sega beat them to the punch, mm-hmm. as it were. But in terms of their position in the industry as a gaming company for gamers, mm. I absolutely agree. Because obviously the Wii um, eclipsed everything for a brief period, but it did feel like uh, people who, like long-term fans of Nintendo, had lost what they loved. Yeah. Said that, was that, that whole thing of like Nintendo sort of like going down the route with the Wii and it became like, obviously it was one of their most successful things ever. Um, but for me, like watching that unfold across the 2000s, it was like they started targeting a completely different, way bigger demographic, um, which and obviously looking at general forum chatter at the time was like, oh, they've abandoned the people no, that got yeah, them I, there in the first I place. I made this pun to you before the pod. <laughs> do it again, <laughs> so, good Yeah, sir. I'm going to do it again. It's good. So uh, the Wii was a console like you couldn't shake a stick at even though you literally were. <sighs> however, <laughs> <laughs> however, but in, in terms of like class first party Nintendo games Mario's and Zelda's uh, even things like Star Fox it, it didn't really serve lacking. us in, in the right way we had Skyward Sword which was extremely gimmicky and although I actually maintain it's an excellent game mm. it would be a million times better without the whole waggling yeah yes. it's ruined by the console um, that it released for yeah. yeah other than the two Mario Galaxies which had very limited motion controls there wasn't a lot of like 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 by the system pure, for pure this gaming Games. Yeah. yeah, I think that's its general reception is like everyone thinks of it as like the Wii, the Wii Sports console, which I guess for me it totally is. I mean, my parents got into gaming because of that, which is a great thing. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. there was room for that, but mm-hmm. I just wish Nintendo hadn't made it the entire focus of their. First I think that was I the thing. Um, Rachel, I'm, what do you think about them in general? I'm really glad that I mean, just looking at the state of things now, so mm. they are obviously with the Switch, it is now once again a console for the people, <laughs> for the multitude, the masses. No, you know, Sorry, Rich. No, that's okay. I just want to mention, what really em- emphasizes that point is Mario Odyssey was mm. effectively the Super Mario 64 sequel we've been waiting since 1996. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like saying, this is the type of games we're doing for mm-hmm. you again. Yeah. It was it was absolutely for people like that who, you know, wanted, like, like you say, Mario Odyssey was fantastic. Breath of the Wild was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, they do still have, They well, I mean, they tried the whole 1-2 Switch thing, which was their Wii, Wii Play. Was Wii Play a game? Is that the... 
Uh, there was like carnival games and the, yeah, like with the um, we spit um, thing and everything. They else. tried that. I mean, it works as a party game machine. You can get like Jackbox and stuff on it, so it does work as like you know just like a party machine mm -hmm. and one for you know long term. Yeah, it's, it's it's also it's not it's not like Nintendo just fell in line with Sony and Microsoft of just is a huge powerful console. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they've actually tried that with the N sixty four and although I think the N sixty four is the best console. They've ever released. It actually Ooh. wasn't necessarily in line with their previous philosophy of constant innovation. Uh -huh. Yeah. Actually, let's, let's quickly go around. If uh, you would throw up the N64 as the best one they've done so far, I would, and that's entirely on the strength of its library. Okay. It's the first part Nintendo stuff, Ocarina of Time, Mario 64, uh, Star Fox 64, and then the rest stuff as well. Which... Is it Lilith Wars? I was just Rachel, yeah. what, what would yours be in the best console Nintendo have done so far? Just a quick little thing. I am very, very, like, I'm BD in the Switch right now. Like, <laughs> I love my Switch so much. But I, you know, my... Share N the joy. My N64 was my childhood. It was my everything. So I would it would be a close between the two. Mm. I mean, I did, I did a whole thing. Um, I haven't done a video version of it, but there's an article on the site about the best consoles that are available right now. And for me, I do think the Switch is the best thing they've done. We'll get... I've got a, a whole chunk that I want to dissect the Switch later on. Um, but it's just, for me, like, you look at the way that that thing came together. Like you take the analog stick from the N64. Or the, I love when they put the video out going like, well, we had a carry handle on the GameCube, also, so we brought that back as well. Yeah, I was going to say the GameCube was the true first portable <laughs> console. Portable home console. Yeah, the, the Switch is also like, it's the ultimate um, example of Nintendo's longtime philosophy. Do you know uh, Gunpai Yokai, the um, famous uh, engineer who worked there? On the an idea Boy. called um, lateral thinking with withered technology. Mm -hmm. It was using um, technology and components that it became cheap and using them to make like new hardware, new mm. applications, mm -hmm. which would be cheap for consumer as well. And the Switch is definitely that. It's not by any means the most powerful console, but it takes, like you say, the aspects of the, the portability of the DS, the, um, it has the motion controls mm. of the Wii in a small capacity. Just enough, the yeah. motion controls are really good. They actually work extremely yeah, well, yeah. Processor and hardware capacities of GameCube. I just, I think <laughs> it's weird because you think about that and it's like, it is like this like kind of under, underpowered, quote unquote, it is underpowered compared to the PS4 and Xbox One. But I think that must, that's kind of what goes into making it lovable because it's kind of, everyone kind of sometimes refers to it as like, you know, the little machine that could kind of yeah, thing. And it's, it's like also, when you see Doom so on it or Wolfenstein. It's yeah. so much more charming and mm. they've actually managed to market that whilst also making a profit on consoles which no company does True. they've managed to do that with a Switch because yeah. you think like that's the thing that because everyone talks about the Nintendo charm or like the reason we love Nintendo they've kind of had the this new console now that is embodies all that charm like that sort of these little fervent ideas towards like game design that are now in the console and it's yeah. got it has a personality all its own kind of thing totally. um, one of the things I was going to ask was just like when did you guys first come into Nintendo when were you first a fan what's your earliest Nintendo memory birth <laughs> I was what born a in a question. red cap <laughs> uh, yeah no, very young, very young. First game I ever played was Donkey Kong 64. Uh, con country, Donkey Kong country. Because, <laughs> um, sorry, we were talking about 64 mm -hmm, earlier. Mm -hmm. um, wanted my own SNES, got an N64, got my own SNES eventually, and that was it. It's mm -hmm. history. <laughs> I think they are like an institution. Is that the same thing for you? Uh, actually, Earlier. no. Um, <gasps> the first... Forgot the Game Boy, sorry. Forgot the <laughs> Game that's Boy. That's where I'm coming in, but yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up with a Commodore 64, mm -hmm. and the Amiga, and I actually was a huge Sega fan. Mm -hmm. I, I had a Mars system. I was a huge Sonic fan, but back then, gaming was such a, such a niche endeavor that people didn't pick sides. Mm. Well, at least I didn't get any sense of it because I didn't have any other friends who played games mm -hmm. to comp compete with. You know, it was like, oh, Nintendo's, but no one said that. And right, if you did, right. they would just come over to your house and play with the two controllers. Precisely, like... yep. <laughs> and I really <laughs> wanted to play Nintendo games as well, but you know, you, your parents can only afford so much. Mm -hmm. um, our first Nintendo console I got was a Game Boy. Right. The original well, giant yeah, brick game. What yeah. kind of Game Boy? Because. Uh, 
It was, as Scott mentioned, you a huge the, uh, <laughs> dot matrix. So you guys are a little tiny little bit older than me, so I uh -huh. think I was like just behind. I had a yellow Game Boy Pocket. Right, That right. was mine. I was going to say, when I, yeah, because for me, it's like I did have the original Game Boy that was handed down to me from like my, one of my parents' friends or something. And the first one that I actually owned was the Game Boy Color. So like that was like Pokemon oh, Yellow. Oh, you had a color? Yeah, well, oh, I had the original were... one that I ha held on to, but the first one that was bought, like proper bought for me was uh -huh. the, uh, for like that Christmas was the Game Boy Color. Upper middle class. And then, I know, and then it was like, uh, you know, like obviously Pokemon got made into color and you kind of have that lush transition period kind of over um but yeah i mean like i remember going over to like a friend's house and playing like pokemon stadium and like ex like seeing a tiny chunk of ocarina yes. and it's like i think uh, see i remember as well the magic was there when i went in school one day it was toy i don't even had toy day on the last day yeah <laughs> and someone had, someone had very day. kindly brought in the snares and a copy of nice. mario world uh, and i just monopolized that corner room <laughs> the entire day it's kicking everybody out of the way so you can yeah, have a few more goes like I just thought this is the best thing ever. Uh -huh. like, and then Donkey Kong Country as well, he brought in. Mm -hmm. What do you mean, like, oh. those those older consoles? Like, there's a thing that I, I sort of sometimes go back to in terms of the way that the gaming industry's gone. Because when you first played something like Ocarina, and you sort of, like, I mean, everyone talks about when you, I keep saying everyone talks about, but Nintendo's so widespread. The first time that you went out into the Hyrule field and you just saw it, like, sprawling out ahead of you, when you're a kid, that's like, oh my god, there's this whole digital world that's in front of you. Um, and I, I think that they managed to redo that with Breath of the Wild. But, like, how much did you find yourself getting lost in those experiences? Was it the the sense of control and mechanics or just that idea of like other worlds in front of you kind of thing. I wrote an editorial about um, Ocarina of Time when we were celebrating 20 years since its mm. release last year and mm -hmm. I think what I mentioned is that before its release the expectations it were enormous. We'd been waiting for this game to come out for maybe five years. Mm -hmm. Everyone was expecting it to be the best thing ever. And it actually was. <laughs> like, it actually was. You knew the second you put it on this is some. This is just this is it's a beautiful magic. Game. Nothing's ever been like this. And it, was, and it was just a title screen for me. It made me like actually well up in yeah. years. I never really thought about that because we obviously look back, well, I would and, and others I'm sure would look back and say, right, yeah, this was just one of classically the best games ever made. Mm -hmm. But I never really think about what was this like when people knew that it was coming, they'd maybe seen the trailer, that god-awful trailer, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were expecting it and didn't know what to expect. That's that's like a really cool thing to think about. Yeah, plus the, like you were coming from Link to the Past, like you had, yeah, you know, there the were tropes thing. in place kind of thing. The anticipation was ludicrous, I remember, and... Um, and it, and it was still at a period when 3D games were, weren't were entirely sure of footed. Nintendo had set a template with Mario 64 mm. of how to do a 3D game, and, and it was so much more than that, to be honest. It was mm -hmm. a very excellent game at the same time. One of the best ever. Yes. But Ocarina of Time then pretty much written every rule that was to follow. from, And that's still in use today, like mm -hmm. just how you yeah. do combat in 3D. I was just going to say Z-targeting, yeah. How you pace a 3D game, how you lay it out. And, and it sort of feels, you go back to now and it seems maybe trite mm. and by the numbers, but that's because it established all the tropes. They gave us those numbers to yeah. then go and from, yeah. You know, it, was just, it was just a transformative experience to play a game with that structure mm -hmm. at the time. And you, you wondered, how can anything be better than this? Mm -hmm. I think, because um, the, the next thing I've got down is, uh, which is, we might still call the podcast this, but I, I was going to, you know the whole idea when you're growing up, there's that general sort of uh, phrase that gets associated with Nintendo, where it's, oh, Nintendo's for kids. Uh, and it's like, I kind of want to pick that apart. Like, where do we think that comes from? Is it the well, aesthetics or? Maybe what? because when they were in their, like, sort of height, Mm -hmm. It like we were kids, so that's like yeah. today's sort of gamers that are the, the the ones that are likely to say that kind of rubbish on the internet and stuff. <laughs> were kids when mm -hmm. Nintendo was sort of like you know coming into its own, so mm -hmm. maybe that's where it comes I from. I think it's mm -hmm. precisely it. When when Nintendo were dominant in the late eighties, the market was aimed squarely yeah. at kids, and as a consequence, the games had to be vetted in a certain way. They had to. Like sense of them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what they failed to understand for a little while is that that same 
uh, market was growing up. Mm-hmm. So when you got a game mm-hmm. like Mortal Kombat came out, everyone wanted to play the violent version. Yeah. They didn't want to play the SNES version with the blood replaced with grease. True. But <laughs> they was really stuck by making accessible games because it was such a big part, part of their culture, mm-hmm. going back to when they were at the top of the game, as Reg says. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it applies these days. If the games are accessible, they're not like, well, child-friendly rather that than over, for yeah. children. Mm-hmm. I think the people who say Nintendo are for kids... Are uh, immature people themselves. Well, well I mean, ignorant a little bit. Yeah, yeah one, of, one of the great things about actually being an adult is that you get to make your own decisions. <laughs> I know. Like, if like. you well, want to think... enjoy Breath of the Wild, then you enjoy that. Yeah, right? I think um, I think it is worth addressing the fact that if you look at the '90s advertising, like Sega's way to sort of crowbar their way into the industry, or That's you know, exactly that was, was exactly literally... the philosophy of Sega. Yeah, to target was, that stuff. Yes, yeah, to target a like a, a set of mature a maturing audience, mm-hmm. like mature in terms of age, and not in terms of mentality. Mm-hmm. But I mean, their whole thing with like Sonic, it was like, you know, like, uh, you know, the whole idea with Sonic was that he was the future. He was this like, you know, cutting edge, he's a teenage kind of guy and he's, you know, <laughs> he's well, with you as you get older kind of thing. And that, that was, for me, that's what set in motion the idea that Nintendo's for kids. I think that mostly stuck with them because they have this sort of doggy reliance on, um, you know, certain tropes for their games. Like most Metroids follow the ver- a very similar structure, like most Zeldas used to until Breath of the Wild. And it's like... you a question about Metroid. Is Metroid a kid's game? Not specifically an adult's game. Nah. I mean, I, well, I, the, the distinction I was going to make before we keep going is like, um, you think of like um, animation studios, you think of Pixar. Like, no one would specifically say that Pixar is just for kids. And it's, no. it has that universal appeal. And I think that Nintendo have maybe struggled with that idea of Disney animation versus Pixar it's, it's animation. It's because the people watching Pixar movies aren't the sort of people who make these arguments on the internet, online, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, sort of. Basically, teenage edgelords. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to take it. It's, it's, it's ignorance. You yeah. have to take it on a game by game basis, just mm-hmm. like you would take Pixar films on a film by film basis. Mm-hmm. The likes of something like Up that has extremely, you know, that'll appeal to kids because it's got humor in it. It'll appeal to adults because it's got adult themes in it. Mm-hmm. And then you take something by the same studio. Um, such as The Good Dinosaur, which I believe was also Pixar, oh, yeah. uh, which was terrible. That was absolutely <laughs> only a kid's film. Uh-huh. So like with games, you have to take games on a game-per-game basis. Uh-huh. You can look at something like, for example, Yoshi's Crafted World, which I'm playing at the minute, and it is very much very a kid's hand-holdy. game. It's very yeah. hand-holdy. But I'm really enjoying it because sometimes you just want that. Sometimes you just want that. <laughs> um, and then I keep bringing it up, but then you could also look at Breath of the Wild, and yes. it's a completely different story. Look at, look at Mario to say even like, my nephew adored that game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He was playing it when he was six years it's old. It's hard. But it's mm. yeah, to abs- actually master it. It's extremely mechanically difficult. Yeah. Very fluid and there's so much depth to it. That's but secret, the, like but, double, triple jump thing yeah, you can do, but, is but it? But the doors are open to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's like imagine that game being in a, I don't know, GTA setting. Mm-hmm. All, all you achieve there is that you cut out a huge aspect of the audience mm-hmm. who can't play it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you talk about like maturity in the industry, like the the things that Nintendo pioneered, like how to do a 3D space, how to even conceptualize, that's the thing that gets overlooked so much. Is that when the industry made the shift from 2D to 3D, they, like coders had to re- rethink how you even approach game design. Um, and there's a there's a great clip back from um, when uh, Hideo Kojima was doing Metal Gear Solid and then the shift to Metal Gear 2, and um, where he was building Lego models to show like, okay, the camera would go down and through this corridor and then somewhere else, so you could actually conceptualize how it was going to be done. Um, and I think Nintendo, we talk about maturity in the industry, the things that Nintendo put forward were incredibly forward-thinking and mature yeah. in terms of how to elevate the media. I think, I think Nintendo... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was going to say... Benji loves some phone. Nintendo. <laughs> I, that's one subject I feel passionate and happy about. Good. Nintendo, more than any other company, have matured the in- industry in more ways than anyone. Maybe mm. Sega, to an extent, it's often overlooked how innovative Sega were mm-hmm. in terms of hardware, but Nintendo have absolutely been have set the standards mm-hmm. for the rest of the industry to follow. Yeah, is mm-hmm. that the thing you were going to say? Rich? I just want to say a game doesn't have to have tits and blood in it to be mature. <laughs> okay, well, this is another thing. Like people, 
people dramatically conflate what the word maturity means. Yep. Like blood, violence, swearing, uh, nudity. Vows aren't mature things. Those things that they you can be, interested. but it's but yeah. technically be, it's mature themes. That's yeah. what you call it. In like a, in like a censorship age gating kind of sense. It yeah. Make a mature game. Uh -huh. But I think that's 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 another thing is like as the industry kind of shifted across like the early two thousands, you you got more mature video games at least in terms of the way that they were rendered. Whereas like Nintendo were always like, well, we have our cast of characters. I mean, it took them so long to to create new IP. I mean, Splatoon was like one of the first new IP in yeah, so long. Yeah, they're bad for that. <laughs> yeah, but then when they do get there, it's like lush. Like Splatoon is instantly feels oh, like yeah. it could be around in the nineties. But, but, there's, but there's a reason why I keep going back to these characters, and it's because they have universal appeal. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're extremely popular, but great characters. That's what I was going to say, is like that idea of um, you know sticking to the tropes that go alongside these games, like Zelda, Mario, Metroid, Yoshi, Star Fox, whatever. We, all, we nearly always know what these games are when we're going to be going into them. Um, where do you draw the line between um, something that's traditional and respectable because it's traditional it sticks into a certain mold versus they're repeating what they've done before and you're getting a new rendered version of something you've already had? Well, I could give an example um, without talking about Breath of the Wild again, mm -hmm. and that would be with Pokemon. Uh, right. There were a lot of people who were like really hyped for Pokemon Let's Go because it was the same but different. Mm -hmm. And then there were people who were like, oh no, oh no, what is this? We don't battle Pokemon. Oh, I don't, I don't right. want this. It's different. <laughs> it's different. If they did like a live action um, fighting Pokemon thing, not Pokemon tournament, but Pokemon style game with the new Final Pokemon Fantasy Stadium? remake combat. Kind of like, but if you were literally controlling them, like Pokemon Tournament, but you're in a standard Pokemon game. Oh, I see. So that would break everything give open again. Pokemon the Final Fantasy VII remake yes. treatment. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that would be a thing. Uh, but you would get people who would be like, oh, what's this? Yeah. Uh, because like Benji's saying, you will have the people who like, a lot of Nintendo games are like coming home mm. for some people and mm -hmm. they expect it to be a certain way, just a little shinier each time. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, I think Pokemon is probably the really bad when it comes to repeating the same thing. Right. True. In, in, as far as I would the say Smash Brothers series. is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but again, well, how do you figure out? Well, I mean, I, I was, um, anyone who's listening to us in Newcastle in the northeast of England can go to a show called Game 2.0 <laughs> at the Center for Life right now, um, where there's like 40 years worth of consoles, not being sponsored by them, but it's such a good show. <gasps> do you want to go sometime? I did, it's <laughs> really good, we should all go again. Um, but they have a, a Smash booth set up with GameCube controllers, and playing that original version of it, um, you kind of, oh, sorry, the um, N64 one, you realize how little and how much well, has the changed. Fact, the fact that Nintendo released a GameCube controller for Switch to play yes. Smash. Yes, yes. So it typifies the extent to which people don't want Smash to evolve. They right. want it to be the same, but more. But you look at the other mainline series, Zelda is a fantastic example. Mm -hmm. Now, the criticism of Zelda is that it started to become really rot, mm -hmm. as Skyward Sword. Very formulaic. It shaken yeah. up. But I actually disagree. Right. Because... They're all good, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's good for the me. Very, the, very, the second game in the series completely changed the genre. It went to a side-scrolling... In a bad way. In a really bad way. In a bad way, but it did do it. Okay, yeah. And then... You, from Link to Past, you went to a handheld game, which is a completely different thing altogether. But anyway, I'm going I'm, I'm to disagree with you on all this. But anyway, in 3D, then Majora's Mask completely changes the formula with the time mechanic. Yeah. Which they have not brought back, but they don't need back. to because it's brilliant. Skyward Sword and motion controls. Brand yeah, but, but I mean, this is this is maybe a different podcast, but if we're talking structurally, I think they nearly all conform to the same formula of get item progress. I mean, yeah, structurally they do, but in terms of Until mechanics... Yeah, well, until Link Between Worlds, when they start giving you everything, and then Breath of the Wild was like, hey, here's the Sheikah Slate, you can just do, you know, figure everything out from here on in. Those are the mechanical evolutions. And I'd also say Mario so is not wrought in any way whatsoever. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I mean, uh, 3D Land was a bit eh. These days, on the, the last one. Land, but again, it's solid, but Mario 64, completely different to Mario 3, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. But then after that, it was folded with Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. which strapped floods to your back and changed the mechanics. Then Mario Galaxy changed the mechanics mm-hmm. again. And that is why they've been able to keep using these characters yeah, actually, like over like 30 years. Mm-hmm. What for Nintendo absolutely do not release annualized versions of their games where it's literally yeah, the same that would be I think to bring it all back around, I think that like uh, like I said, we have that split of like that that split between like the tradition and what you expect, and you love it because of that. And I still do like that. I'm not being negative because of this, no, no. but I think sometimes when you look at the the changes that they do make in link uh, link to the link between worlds and uh, Breath of the Wild, I would I thought they were so welcome because they were still within the sort of the think, framework think that those franchises have. A lot of this criticism wouldn't exist if maybe once in a while they made a Mario game, then took Mario out of it. Mm. But like I don't know, a little. Gooey Spanish postman or something. Like, in his <laughs> Maybe. Place. That, again, that would be like a whole new IP that they could do with doing. Yeah, um, but, but you can understand entirely why they rely on these trusted and mm. popular franchises. I guess sell, to, um, to posit something else on the mature side as well, do you think they would, do you think it would be just weird and just it wouldn't fit if they released something like A Last of Us, like A Witcher 3, if that was a first party game? Do you think, see them ever moving into something like that? I think that could be potentially incredible. Yeah. Yeah. How do, you, how do you think? I guess it's just a game mechanic wise, it would have to kind of have that sort of faux arcade approach that a lot of their first party stuff does with like the immediacy to the controls and everything else. But then they would have to change so much about what their first party titles were to do that. I mean, Breath, maybe that would be great. Breath of the Wild isn't a million miles away from a survival game. True. Uh, with, you know, finite resources, that sort of thing, crafting. Yeah. Um, so they could 
do it. Mm. Yeah. I would like I would like them to sort of like I would like them to broach that thing, but at the same time, the reason that I love, like you said, it's like coming home. The thing that you know that you're getting with Nintendo is that charm, mm. which is so baked in those like Pixarian style experiences that are for everybody. And um, what do you think about the idea of a mature Nintendo? In that respect, anyway. I don't know. I mean, I can't say it being something that I'd like to do. And I don't mm. necessarily want them to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm quite happy for them to occupy the space. John the Witcher way. walking along with Kirby. Well, <laughs> they made them, like Reg said, they made their own open world game and it's better than all the other open world games that's, that's came before it. You're not because wrong. Because they actually got it mechanically right. Mm-hmm. Okay, it didn't have the blood, it didn't have the themes, it didn't have all the nasty stuff that was in The Witcher 3, but it's a better game. So, Ooh. who cares? Yeah, it probably is to be it's honest. Completely it's different. Not much really... is a great game. Yeah, I, I think Breath of the Wild is the best Breath game of the generation. Breath of the Wild is the best open world game I've ever played. That's true. I mean, they're very different. You can't really compare them. <laughs> no, it's like better, comparing an is... orange with a lemon. They're the same, but <laughs> they're good for different things. We can we can hand this one over to the comment yeah. section. <laughs> Do we need to see Mario Effin and Jeffin? And no, no, but that would be that whole no. thing of like of getting maturity wrong. But it's like they can tackle different themes, and then maybe Nintendo. Well, they've actually done it. They've actually secretly done it in some of their old games. Majora's Mask mentioned earlier. It's one of the darkest, most introspective games I've ever played. Okay, you you don't necessarily notice it because it's coated with this Nintendo shine mm-hmm. and it's got the colours and it's I think got... that's what gives it so much appeal yeah it's yeah. so it's, it's, like naughty mm-hmm. it's an existential <laughs> meditation mm-hmm. on the meaning of life yeah yeah. and confronting your own mortality that's pretty deep you also yeah. go around talking uh, little tree men and things like that but it's, <laughs> it's a giant moon with a face yeah, coming even, in even Link's Awakening uh, I don't want to ruin it for anyone <gasps> I'm right at the end <laughs> well, right at the end I thought you already finished it I'm right at the end oh. I've never finished it before in, okay. in very vague terms windfish carry on because I don't want to ruin it for people who are looking forward to the I know what's going to happen because I can remake. sense it coming. But yeah, it's about, it's asking questions about should you always do what you're told right. long before Bioshock did. And it's also saying, like, again, a lot of the characters are pondering their own existence. Right. I, I can't really go in. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I think, like you said, those themes are baked into something. Even they can experiment within Zelda for those kind of things. I mean, one of the reasons that I love Princess Zelda in Breath of the Wild, even though it's not necessarily done that well through what we get from the script, is that she's going up against the fact that she's she's meant to have all these like this role put upon her to be this like savior of the kingdom. And See, that's a much more mature theme for me. Yeah, and it's like can she awaken her powers and all that kind of stuff and coping with it and the anxieties of it rather yeah. than just uh, F this and fun. I think well that's, that's the thing and it's like that would be a way to do mature themes with it through a Nintendo lens I think the underlying thing is here though that a lot of people a lot of people who aren't into Nintendo don't give these games a chance so mm. you, you have to play these games you have to be invested in these games to get these themes to, to take away these lessons from these games mm-hmm. and people who are judging them by saying oh it's just for kids they're not playing them so they don't it's, know it's, it's, I just I think that sentiment is dying out superficial but. judgment yeah, I, I think that yeah. sentiment is like, it's not anywhere near as prevalent as it was across the 2000s. I think yeah. when the PS2 was going up against the GameCube, you just saw the side-by-sides and it was it was so easy to go down the PS2. And I totally did that when I was younger. Because I was like, oh, like I, just, I don't want to play this Mario. Is this, is this also, I mean, you talk about when you're younger and mm-hmm. I don't want to cast any aspersions on how, Bring how you operate as a teenager, mm-hmm. but... Did you ever feel like there was a certain pressure to conform? Yeah, yeah, totally. To like, like standards yeah. of manliness. Well, that's why I brought in the marketing earlier yeah. on. Like, I don't uh, think it's a gendered thing, but I think that idea of what's cool, the marketing was so dominative from Sega yeah. and then from Sony. Because bringing up Yoshi again, like I'm playing this going, this is, I wonder if I'd like this if I was near Gettle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you can kind of tell, like, you kind of wonder how much of it is sort of like, oh, that is for... That is for kids, that is mm. for girls. As yeah, much as, oh, that's so awful. Well, I mean, all the Princess Peach oh. stuff, it was like pink colour palettes. And it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that whole uh, sort of oh. approach to it. Growing up, I had no pretensions of fitting, fitting in with anyone. Right. So I just, did, <laughs> I just did what I enjoyed and I didn't care. Yeah, it that's one of the greatest chances you could I have didn't across know the board. If it, what difference did it make to me if someone knew I was playing Nintendo? Yeah. I didn't 
get on with anyway. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just some some people that was very important. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing. If you're going to dissect all that, there's there's way wider social pressures and everything else. But I think if you bring the marketing side into it, um, across the '90s, you had Sega just just doing really one on one, like face to face style marketing. Like, we're literally going to call out Mario. We're literally going to show footage. Yeah. And then go, Our game is faster. Yeah. And then you had like, literally dude dressed up as Crash Bandicoot shouting about um, you know, <laughs> how much better the PlayStation was. So you sort of had all these little things that you know literally said to kids like, "This is the cool thing," and if you haven't got this, then you know yeah. you're in cool. And I think we moved away from that society somewhat. Oh yeah, those pressures were yeah. way worse uh, back Kids in the day. Kids never conform to pressure of f- Fortnite, Fortnite skins these days. Don't, don't buy Fortnite skins, children. Um, if anyone's listening, um, but yeah, I was also um, towards because we're almost at the end. We've flown through this Nintendo oh, podcast, no way. Um, but I kind of want to just mention, yeah, the Switch because we I said before about the how it's it is a hybridization of all the things that they've nailed in the past. But what do you think it is about the Switch that has caught on so well? Because now it's it's outsold the PS4 in Japan finally. Um, but now it's like that and the PS4 are almost neck and neck, even though the Switch launched, um, you know, three years later. I think because it is the perfect blend of something like the N64 that is uh, fantastic to use at home and also the perfect blend of the, the Game Boy, the DS, something that you can take traveling mm. with you or you can just go downstairs and sit in the living room with them. <laughs> uh, just stuff like that. It's the potential uh, to be like, for example, I mainly play it handheld, but I know a right. lot of people who only play it yeah, on, I their, mostly on, their on the TV. Well, there you go, there you yeah. go. Um, I think because it has that, like you can do either, mm. it has double the strength. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, the hardware side absolutely nailed it. What mm. do you think it is about it? Uh, there are a couple of things for me. Um, I'd really like to know the demographics of peep switch owners, mm. like the age ranges. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it's appealing to a, a use the word again, a maturing audience mm-hmm. who don't really aren't really interested in the AAA titles anymore. Those are the sort of stuff they played when who were younger when they were The teenagers. Switch is like an indie powerhouse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, it's all, and it's also people who grew up loving Nintendo and they just want to play some real games, but they also don't want to commit themselves massively to them. They don't define themselves as mm. gamers. Mm-hmm. And it really seems to seems to have targeted that market very well in, in its advertising. Yeah. It's not like saying, this is the most powerful thing ever. Look at these graphics, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, this is a game you can have fun with your friends. Mm-hmm. This is a game you can sit on the rooftop. <laughs> around your barbecue. Rooftop All those parties. rooftop parties we've been to. I mean, that was the one thing that like, Nintendo have always nailed in their marketing across the Wii, Wii U, and now, is that idea of everyone playing together, like multiple well, age groups, multiple everything. The other thing as well I was going to mention is, you look at the highest selling console of all time, and behind the PS2, very, mm. very close is the DS. Right. So that tells you people love handhelds. That's the one console I didn't get. Yeah, the, the love, the love. That console had huge social appeal, and mm-hmm. Nintendo have effectively baked the two uh, parts of the business into one here. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, also, it's a natural successor to, to the DS. Yeah, I think it, speaking of like natural successes and stuff, like for me, one of the biggest reasons the Switch has taken off is I think the the average person, the layman, whatever the hell you want to call them, I don't think that the average consumer um, realized that the Wii U was the Wii's sequel. I thought, I like, I think I this agree. is the a market responding to the idea of oh, the next Nintendo console is finally here, and it's been uh, seven years or, or eight years since the first Wii. I think that's where the, the mums and the grandmas and the you know the sort of like buying something for little Jimmy comes flying in. Um, that would be the thing that I think elevates the Switch so much. Something else is just something so fun about the Switch. Yeah, you look at the adverts, the little noise, and you look at <laughs> colors, and you look at it and you think, you know what? I just want to play that. Yeah, that, that to me is a game. Oh yeah, the get, design is incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah. thinking, I don't want to get bogged down in hardware and installing things and 
worrying about how much room I've got on our drive. That that self awareness online and blah blah blah. Yeah, that self awareness to have sound effects, to have the, the little click like action in the middle of their live streams and things like that. Those would be associated more with the old school when everyone had like a sound effect like fatality or a coin noise or a ring noise or whatever. Like those things. I did, did a whole list of the most iconic video game um, noises. Uh, moves and yeah, noises <laughs> and signature effects. Follow what all culture? Those, <laughs> culture gaming. All those things that would feel like they've kind of gone by the wayside with this sort of like nebulous approach to maturity. It's like, well, we don't do that anymore because you know we're over here doing the last of us and The Witcher and whatever and it's like that's fine those games have identifiable elements but the Switch if you just literally just played the Switch click sound effect you know exactly what it is I love it yeah and oh. you already have things that you associate with it whether it's it you know, Zelda me, Mario it or whatever the Game Boy startup noise right right <laughs> exactly oh, <laughs> and, and that's another console that appealed in a huge like capacity to every strata of society right almost on the same level of switch that wasn't for kids at all that was True. businessmen that was adults that was people who wanted a console that could just play in five minutes and just mm -hmm. have something a little bit fun mm -hmm. to take away from regular life which I mean like, you go, you're wider in the gaming industry today there's like all this sort of talk of like um, found time like you know you have found time when you're like on the you're traveling somewhere or you're like waiting for something to happen whatever it is yeah. and uh, you know those are the times time, where, is, like, time is huge I don't play AAA games not because I find them so incredibly dull mm. although that is one of the big reasons <laughs> But because I just don't have the You time. liked Breath of the Wild. I love Breath of the Wild. There you go. Yeah. I found time for that. <laughs> Not simply because a lot of my ask the expectations are far too high. Right. And the Switch gives the opportunity to actually play games mm -hmm. in between your real life. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was going to say, that accessibility yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, yeah like that. Like I think a lot of the industry is trying to find a way to inject games into your periphery as to, much to, as possible. To, to maybe recognize that not everybody's a hardcore gamer. Yeah. Or, like, or they can pick and choose when they want to actually knuckle down yeah. and put the time in. Oh, um, yeah. We can end on what are we looking forward to? Are we looking to afford to a particular uh, game? Are we looking forward to a new Switch models? What do we want to see? Go on, Rage. Um, well, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the new Pokemon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be open world, which is like... So many so Breath of the Wild cool. vibes. I swear there was a sound cue in the trailer for yeah, the E3 thing. it's the it's literally straight out of Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, is, you guys are connoting is. Breath of the Wild. Which and there's is exactly like grass blowing in the wind, and yep. there's Pokemon like in the grass. Oh, it's just it's everything <laughs> that nine year old me wanted in a Dynamax video game. Dynamax every single and thing. Finally, twenty years later, I'm getting it. <laughs> I think so yeah. Cool. I mean, even when I mean, obviously, um, Reggie Reggie's been replaced by Doug Bowser now, but like Reggie used to always talk about that. And um, when they announced Labo, it was like, oh, it's something for kids and someone uh, something for the people that have the children within them kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that is the the core of Nintendo. Like it's that ageless immortal appeal yeah. um, Benji what's your predictions and looking forward to that things that blew me away at E3 I have to say oh, I, was 40, I referred to it as before 42 minutes of perfection absolute brilliant, brilliant. Uh, even even the sort of awkward interactions between Bowser oh, I love that stuff uh. <laughs> for me um, I'm surprised you didn't mention Animal Island Rich Animal Island yeah. Animal Crossing get it right um, it does look lovely it's, it's, it's something that I got, I've got a lot of negative feelings towards Animal Crossing, actually, because oh, I remember I had it on my DS mm -hmm. and I used to babysit my wee cousin and I used to like bring my DS because I have to always be doing something, me. And uh, <laughs> she used to like be like, oh, can I play your Animal Crossing? I'd be like, I pal. And she'd be like, go in, sell all of my stuff <laughs> to Tom Nook, all my hard yeah, don't give, furniture. Don't give everything to Tom Nook. Oh. I, I, I had the, was it Wild World, World was it called on the DS? Or New Leaf or whatever. Uh, New Leaf is the newer 2013 one. Yeah, Wild World was on the Wii, I think. Oh, well, whichever one was on the DS. Mm. Right. And, but because I was at uni at the time and I was going to bed about 5am every morning. <laughs> you could only play at night time and nobody yeah, was no, awake. No one was awake. I <laughs> love that stuff, though. I love so that stuff. It was so boring. I just walked around <laughs> like a... 
I don't know. Like trying to get some fish in it through yeah. the void. No, the new one looks very good purely because this is a game that I feel like would benefit. I've always thought this would benefit from being online and it's finally mm. going online. So that is very it's exciting. Also. Yes, uh, survival elements. I was going to say the most survival. Like, I like the, the yeah. pole vault over the river, like exploring like a bit more. Of, of camping is not fun at all. <laughs> but I like the idea of it is the natural progression for that game and I'm really yeah. excited mm-hmm. yeah. is your big pick Animal Crossing then no um, I'm what? really looking forward to Luigi's Scary House 3 <gasps> oh really Spooky who's yeah and uh, Link and the Giant Egg good remake yep. that's gonna be I mean that's about all the amiibo for that more than the game I think but it still looks lovely it, Link's Awakening is my favourite game of all time mm-hmm. except for days when it's Monkey Island 2 <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna be so the remake good. looks spot it on looks so yeah. adorable. I mean Obviously, I've played it to death already, but I don't mind playing it some more. And the big one for everybody is Breath of the Wild too. Yes, I mean, I would have taken. I would have taken Breath of the Wild too. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be a while away. Mine's just Metroid Prime, uh, Metroid Prime Four, because I, 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 I need that Metroid Prime framework with proper. I want to play that uh, handheld because I love the style. I actually really like Other M. I know it's like everyone shats on it, but um, I love the idea <laughs> that they had the idea that you could take the um, the Wii mode, turn it sideways, and pretend that it's a mini NES controller, play it like old school side scrolling Metroid. And then when you come oh. up to stuff, no, wait a minute, Benjamin. <laughs> and then every time you come up to stuff, you would flick the remote and just shoot dudes, proper th- first person style. That's cool. That. that is cool. And I want—I know that's not going to be in Prime. I don't think it is anyway. Um, but team, I love that stuff. The Team Ninja game, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Really interesting. But I didn't actually like Samus interacting with human beings and talking. And oh, really? Me, that Metroid's about isolation. Yeah. When she first mm. got a voice, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually, in this moment, I'll totally recommend. Uh, I think it's called Samus Returns. It's the the remake of Metroid Two that's on the 3DS. That's good, but it. It's, it's possibly a little hand, holds your hand a little bit too much. Yeah, I think I think Super Metroid is a perfect game. Yes, I actually don't. I, I think it is flawless. It's we, like, me and Benji, um, we tend to deviate on this. I know where you stand, Rach, in terms of Metro Metroidvanias that tell you where to go. In terms of here's the dot, so you need to get to here eventually. But Super Metroid does tell you. Yeah, not all the time. So but directly. It's got yeah. a map. Yeah, yeah there, there is a the little thing. That's the whole point. You're alone, and you need to use your resources mm-hmm. to get around. Anyway. The map could be a bit better. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 99. I mean, I'm, I'm very much on like I prefer Ori to Hollow Knight kind of Metroidvania. Ooh. I actually I agree with that as well. Mm, we can do a whole separate I, podcast I on Metroidvanias. Um, but yeah, my, my whole thing is Metroid Prime. I just wanted, I wanted to get like a little teaser. I want to see what Retro Studios have came up with, being that they had to restart development and kind of go back into it, knowing that it's more fan-focused and whatever the it is now. Same happened on the original Metroid Prime. Mm. Nintendo went to Texas and told Retro Studios like the game, right? Rollicking. <laughs> so this ain't good enough. Yeah, well, we ended up producing one of the best is, games of its generation. That too. is how many companies do that, though. Look at companies who are just, who just like ship it out the door, just like find it's done, let's make some money. Mm-hmm. Like, how many companies do that these days? Nintendo mm-hmm. are Nintendo have never done that. Was it the Immortal? No, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, like just restarting Metroid like, for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Philosophy is it's ready when it's ready. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. is the Immortal Miyamoto quote of like, you know, you'll take your time, it'll be good, it'll be worthwhile eventually. Yes. Which, like, to bring it all full circle, I think that even though they obviously hit their strides twenty years ago, we're back in the middle of something that they've bought their time for and you look at the Switch and it I, is everything combined. I think it's relevant to the industry today so we're in 1995 yeah. if not more so. Which is so lush to think. More so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the beacon everyone should look towards. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, you guys, let us know what you think down in the comments below if you're watching on the video side or if you're um, on the audio platforms, come find us on social media. For now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Goodbye. And Rachel Shackleton. Flippin' love, Nintendo. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.